Anna, where are you? There you are. Just been diagnosed with cancer. And um, I want us to have a special prayer for her. I'm sure that there are lots of prayers already. But a little more can't hurt, can it, Diana? And I'd like wherever you are to turn and face Diana right here and just extend your hand out towards her in just a moment. I've got another thing to say before we do this. And I'm going to ask you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and say, you're, say you will do this, but um, for the next while, let's say at least through the end of this year, I'm going to ask you to fast one meal a week. Now, let's do it one meal a day, okay? And let's especially pray for God's healing for Diana. Um, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I'm just going to look around, and if, as I look around, if you would do that, just nod your head. I see heads nodding all over here. And so we're just going to bring Diana to prayer right now and ask for a miraculous healing in her body. Can you join me in prayer? And, and I'll lead us in prayer, but uh, you know, this is a Pentecostal church. It's not the church of the first Frigidaire. Okay. So that means that you don't have to be cold and silent. But if you'd like to pray in your own words, if you'd like to pray in a language you don't know, Let's just take a moment and let's agree in prayer for Diana this morning. Will you join me in prayer right now and just extend your hand out towards her as we pray. Lord, we just thank you for our sister Diana. And Lord, this is just devastating news in the natural that she's received. But Lord, what is impossible with man is just the occasion for you to demonstrate your power and glory in someone's life. And so, Father, we agree in prayer right now for Diana's healing. We pray, Lord, that you would give her peace. We pray that you would give her confidence. Grant her and the saints around her faith as we ask in your name, Lord, that you would bring complete healing to her. And remind us every day as we skip that one meal and we spend that time in prayer, every time we feel a little pang of hunger that says it's time to eat, let our spiritual conscience say it's time to pray for Diana. And we will send prayers for her. Lord, I pray that she would have uh, the full assurance of the support of this body of believers. And we ask in Jesus' name for a healing. It's in Christ's name we pray. And if you believe that, let's all together say amen. Amen. God bless you. And shake a hand on your way down and uh, say, wish a Merry Christmas, and then you can take a seat. I've met you. My name's Stan. Stan. What is it? Stan. Oh, I'm Stan too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> well,
Well, as soon as I walked in the door this morning, I was just hearing great things about the service last night. That's an exciting, exciting thing. There's something really good happening in this congregation. I know you've been without a pastor for two and a half years, but I told somebody, you don't need a pastor. You just need a chaplain to show up every once in a while. You're doing a great job. And um, I heard about the uh, youth group the other night. That there was 21 kids there? 29? I, I knew if I was low, somebody would correct me, so I got, I got corrected. An adult Bible study has been averaging about 14, and, and uh, the good turnouts on Sunday morning, that's just great. And I, I think, you know, God's in charge of all of that, but I think your connection as a body of believers and the time you spend supporting each other and... Uh, well, just I think almost everybody nodded their heads when I asked for a nod of the head, standing behind people in their time of need. Uh, that's what it means to be a church, isn't it? And, and God's blessing that. Well, this morning, um, let, me, let me start it this way. Well, we're going, we're, we're, this, this is the eve of the celebration. Never mind that Jesus might not have been born actually on December 25th. But that's the date the church has chosen, and that's a long explanation of how they got there. That's the date the church has chosen to celebrate the birth of the most important, most famous, most influential person that has ever walked the face of the earth. From ground zero, and we'll choose December 25th, um, in a manger. That's not where kings are usually born, is it? Jesus was born, and from that point in time, today, worldwide, and this is using the term just broadly and inclusively, there's more than 2.3 billion people on planet Earth, as I speak right now, that acknowledge Jesus as Lord. That's quite a growth rate. Now, don't ask me if all of those are actually going to make it to heaven, but that's how many who say that Jesus is Lord. And it's just an amazing thing how, how Jesus has influenced and rewritten the course, not only of world history in the Western world, but, but globally. Now, in um, we morning hours, you know, as we get older, things change in our life. Did, did any of you uh, notice me uh, foraging around the sanctuary here like I had lost my wallet while we were going into worship? Well... I didn't know where this clicker was. <laughs> and that's one of the things that happens. We have our senior moments when we get... Uh, how many know what a senior moment is? Okay. And, you know, <laughs> well, one of the things that I, I, I do that... And is anybody else here like an extremely early riser? I wake up... Okay. So I'm putting that to good use in my, in, in my life, and I, I recently just kind of discovered YouTube. I know that dates me. I should have discovered it years ago, but I have my early morning devotions, and sometimes it's, it's pretty early. It might be 3 in the morning or 2.30 or 4, and I just get up for a time, and, and I, I've, I've just been listening to Christmas music and Christian carols on, um, on YouTube, and it just triggered a thought you know, we're living in a time right now where, how many have heard of the Great Reset? 
You know what I'm talking about? There are people that are trying to remake the order of reality and erase all of the past and traditions and uh, faith and all of those other gauges and marks that, that have defined our world uh, for so long. But it is such a poverty-stricken substitute for the richness of faith that we have. And here's where I'm going with that and the YouTube and growing old and all of those things. I've just been struck by, let's just take music. How much our faith in Christ has enriched music. Aren't the songs of Christmas just amazing? And you know really, and I'm saying this is somebody that studied theology quite a bit, they're just rich in solid Christian doctrine. Uh, maybe rather than just um, uh, humming the familiar uh, refrain, actually look at the verses of some of those that are there, uh, of those Christmas carols. Now, have you seen any atheists that have great concerts celebrating Nothing out there. You know what I'm saying? And you take that and you just move it to every dimension of life. Whether we're talking education in our own country. I might have mentioned once before, a few years back when I was teaching at Bethany University, for one year I was chosen to be on the accrediting team uh, for colleges and universities in the western United States. Uh, and particularly in California. And, and it stunned me to find out that over half of the colleges in the state of California, you know, wild liberal California, over half the colleges either started out or are still faith-based Christian colleges. Okay? Now, we can do the same thing in terms of science or education, or we can do it in terms of, of um, uh, the, whole, the sanctity of human life, just across the board, everywhere you look, it's the birthday of this great king that has redefined reality. And how many of you here have had your own personal life stood on its head and turned around for the better when you accepted Christ as Savior? And this is the king whose birthday we're celebrating. So the title of the message this morning is A Happy Birthday for Us, because it's made all the difference in the world, in our lives and in our world. Now, we still have a lot of work to do, but we can just pause on this Christmas Eve, and in the midst of all of the festivities, just say, well, not only happy birthday to you, Jesus, but because of your happy birthday, it's a happy birthday for us, right where we live and move and life happens to us, just like it's happening to Diana right now. Amen. Is there any substitute for having a hope in a Savior like Jesus? Makes all the difference in the world. So here's the plan. Um, I was just getting blessed by all the Christmas music and, you know, and it was coming from all different places and I turn it down real low and some of it's the, uh, the somber songs of Christmas and, 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 and they, they move us, but some of it is happy. I even got blessed by a Christmas concert by Rod Stewart. You know who Rod Stewart is? Okay. And it was a lot of fun songs, but at the end, 
Everybody was singing Silent Night, and there was just a hush that was there. I just got my socks blessed off the other night, and some of you are going to think I'm backslidden when I say this, but I promise you I'm not. I just got blessed by the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Boy, you talk about a choir. And can they make it happen when they sing? And you know, it just goes on and on. Last night I was watching, it was 25 years ago, a Christmas concert of Johnny Cash. And... But you know, wherever it is, this time of year, one way or another, everything points back to the greatest birthday of all time, of Jesus of Nazareth. Even the atheists date their calendar. This is the year 2024 of what? Anno Domini, is that what it is? The year of our Lord. Okay? And... Before he came, it's dated by what? Before Christ. He's just the pivot of human history. So what I'm going to do this morning, I just want us to look, and, and I'm going to lift out certain lyrics out of some of the, of the Christian carols and songs we sing, and um, use those to make a point of what the coming of Christ means in our life. And it has meant this for billions of people for now thousands of years. But let's just get on with, uh, with the program here because I get under the anointing and, you know, I can just go on and on and on. And so here, in the fullness of time. Now, let me tell you the story behind this song. And I didn't know they were going to do this, but when I sent these PowerPoints in, I don't know if it was AJ or Tyler or somebody uh, saw some of the um, uh, songs I was going to allude to this morning, and so we sang some of them. Um, I'm calling this first point, In the Fullness of Time. And I'm lifting a lyric out of O Holy Night. And here's the lyric, Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Now, I don't think I'm the only one that has asked myself the question, well, what about all of those who lived and died in those civilizations that we've forgotten that were before Christ ever came? Or what about those that have never heard? And I don't have the answer for all of that, except to say that long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared. And the high water mark of human history is in God, in his perfect time, because for God, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day, Jesus came. And there's a very uh, strange passage of Scripture that nobody knows how to interpret for sure, and it's out of 1 Peter chapter 3, where we read that after Jesus died his physical death, he descended into the underworld and preached the gospel to, this, to those who had lived and died before him. Okay. Now, I don't, I'm not going to crack the code. I don't know that I know how to understand that whole thing. But here's what it means. Just as those who lived before Christ lived and died, some of those at least were saved as they looked forward to Christ and forward to the cross even if they didn't fully understand it, just as people today are saved as we look back 
to the cross. You see? And here's how the uh, Apostle Paul put it in a verse of Scripture here. But when the time had fully come, or another translation reads, at just the right time, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. So at just the right time in human history, He appeared in the flesh. But that name... And that name and that person became the only name and the only pathway to salvation. We can't unravel all of the deep questions of what about those that have never heard and all of that thing. Most of those never had the presence of mind or the disposition of heart to look at Christ at all. But if they did, they were saved in the anticipation of the Savior that was coming, just as we are saved as we look back at the Savior who once came. But let me tell you the story about a holy night. This guy, well, there was a priest in a town in France. The year was 1847, and for the Christmas Eve service, he wanted to have a Christmas poem written. And there was a man with a French name, and my French is horrible. Well, it's non-existent to be, but I can't ever pronounce French names very well. I just know his first name sounded something like Placidi. Okay? So Placidi, and then there was another man named Charles Adams. But this priest went to Placidi, who was a known poet. He didn't go to church very much, but he's a great poet, and he asked him to write uh, a Christmas poem. And so he wrote the lyrics to O Holy Night. And he liked the poem so much, and he knew a Jewish man named Charles Adams who could write great melodies, and he put the lyrics of the poem to music, and there we have O Holy Night, which is really one of the richest Christmas carols we have. Later on, it came to be known among the clergy in France that Placidi had actually left the church altogether and joined the Socialist Party. And that Charles Adams was a Jew. So he banned that song from ever being sung at Christmas again in France. But the French people loved it so much that they kept singing it. And then it jumped across the pond of the Atlantic, and we took it up in our own country. Isn't it just like the Lord to take someone who doesn't even believe in Him? The Scripture tells us if we don't cry out to the Lord, He'll cause the rocks to cry out. Well, nobody would ever know who Placidi was today if it was not for this man who was a disbeliever, was inspired by the Holy Spirit to give us the lyrics to O Holy Night. And his unbelief, the rocks, of his, the rocks cried out of the richness of that story. So anyway, at just the right time. Now that just the right time might apply in your life. Where we are, we go through hardships, trials. They can make us or break us. But if we turn to the Lord in the midst of those, we discover the richness, the presence of God in our life. Let's look at the next one. <clears throat> God is with us. 
Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Now, there were two very famous Wesley brothers. There was John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist Church. And John and his brother Charles were two, now get this, ladies who have had children. They were children of Susanna Wesley, who had 19 babies. She didn't want to see, see her husband come anywhere near her anymore. Now, nine of them died in infancy. But she was a godly mother and she spent time every day with each of those children. John Wesley was the great evangelist. And there was a time when the Methodist Church, during the years of the Great Awakening in our own country here, was the largest church on the continent. And it grew. The revival fire swept across England as well. And John Wesley was the theologian and the preacher. Sometimes he preached from tombstones when he got kicked out of churches. That's another whole story. But his brother Charles was a great hymn writer. And in his lifetime, he wrote over six thousand hymns. He was outdone by only one hymn writer. It was a woman, her name was Fanny Crosby, who was blind. And she wrote over 8,000 hymns. But on a Christmas Eve, Charles Wesley was walking by one of the great churches in London and he heard the bells ringing. And that set him off on another uh, song to write. And it was the bells. It was Hark the Belkins Ring. And it's hearts, in, in, as he originally configured, Hark the Heavens Ring Out. But it was the church bells that did that. And here's the lyric out of that. Born as men, as man with men to dwell. And here's the scripture that goes with that. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, born as man with men to dwell, his name shall be called Emmanuel. There is no other revelation of God where God himself entered into human flesh. He's always above or alongside or the great disciplinarian in heaven. But what this speaks to us about, for every one of us, how many of you have low moments where you don't feel so important or valuable yourself? But the fact that Jesus became one of us is the affirmation of the worth of human life. He's more than above us. He's more than alongside us. He's more than a memory or a tradition, but he is with us. It speaks of the value that God has for you and the love that he has for you in spite of the fact that we don't always feel that way about ourselves. I know there's always one or two in a crowd that are legends in their own mind uh, that have an elevated view of themselves, but most of us are aware of our own inadequacies. But God with us 
speaks of the fact that right where we live, God created a world and he said it was very good. After he finished creation, he looked at the world and Adam and Eve and he said, behold, they are very good. God doesn't make junk. You're made with value, worth, but where you find your being and your joy and your purpose is when you allow the living God to be one with you in your life, to be your moral compass, to give you that sense of self-worth and purpose in your life. A third lyric from a Christmas carol here is the sanctity of human life. We're back to O Holy Night again for just a moment. Then he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Now, we take for granted the value of human life. But you know, we just got back three months ago, I think, from a, I guess it's been about then, it was in October, from a trip to Italy. And we went through the Colosseum in Rome. And we learned a lot about the Roman Empire that had some great aspects to it and really became the early center of Christianity. But before that happened, this was a pagan stronghold. And human life had little or no value at all. We looked at the Colosseum and we heard the stories of how slaves and uh, gladiators uh, were the entertainment in the blood sport of up to 80,000 people that would gather there to watch people getting killed. If you had a baby in Rome, and this wasn't true just there, and you didn't want it, you could just abandon that baby. If you were a young girl, they might give you to the brothels. But no sanctity of human life. But between the years of six and ten years old, my parents were missionaries to the Philippines. And um, uh, up in the mountains of the Philippines, there's kind of a resort town, Baguio. I've been there before. A lot of people go there, not just Filipinos, uh, because it's cooler there. And, and the Philippines can be pretty intense with a hot, humid climate. But in the back country, outside of Baguio, there, I don't know if... The, this, so I'm old, so this, this is going back to about 1960. Uh, there still were tribes people that lived back in the jungles and the woods there, and uh, they were pretty primitive. But there was a lady, I can't remember her first name. When I was growing up as Assemblies of God, all the men were Brother Jones or Brother Smith, and all the women were Sister so-and-so. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I just know that we knew her as Sister Vanderbilt. And she had been single her whole life. She had forsaken getting married to move to the Philippines to start an orphanage. And she would go back into these tribes, tribal areas, especially if she had heard that there was a mother that had died because the practice in those tribes was to bury the infant baby with the mother because there was nobody there to take care of them. And Sister Vanderbilt had an orphanage that in part was populated by these babies that she had saved from death and burial. Where is that coming from? It's coming from the value of human life that is planted in the heart and the consciousness of people of faith. Every soul has its worth and its value. There's nobody that is worthless. And that, you know, in the name of being humanistic today, there are people that are all for doctor-assisted suicide. There are those that are all for 
not only aborting a baby when it might be full term, but even after it's born, if you decide you don't want it. I'm telling you, that is not Christ-based attitude towards the value of human life. Or a child that's born with special needs. But you see, within he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Now, you might not feel very valuable yourself all the time, but God does value. And here's the passage of Scripture that goes with that. And I'm taking you to the crucifixion of Jesus. There were two thieves, one on each side. These were people that were trying to be eliminated from society because of their crimes. Now, hanging between them was Jesus, who was unjustly crucified. (coughs) One of those thieves mocked Jesus. But the other one looked to Jesus. And here's what Jesus said to him, or what he said to Jesus. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Then Jesus answered him, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. That soul felt his worth. You know, and that's not only how we are to think of ourselves, but those around about us that are suffering or are are discarded or not valued by others. Because it's a happy birthday for all of us, no matter what our station in life is. Little is much. This was a song I remember back from the 70s and 80s, and I was putting this message together. How many of you remember this? Little is much when God is in it. We labor not for wealth or fame. Little as much when God is in it as we go in Jesus' name. Now, away in a manger, no crib for a bed. This is not how kings are supposed to be born, is it? But this is telling us that God himself entered this world not with the great fanfare of a world conqueror, but at the lowest ebb and humblest beginnings of human life. And it's from there that he lived. And he can relate to anybody if he can relate to those who are the least among you. And here's the verse that goes with it. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth, she being Mary, to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, it's, kind of, it's become kind of a quaint and cute story about Jesus born in a manger. Who would ever thought that the king of the universe would make his appearance in that way? So no matter how humble you are or left out you feel, that speaks to us too. That's where God centers His beginnings in our lives. Go to the next one. Just as you are, you come. Um, There was a woman, 1949, who wrote this song. She really, she was just struck by the nativity story and she made up 
a fictitious story, The Little Drummer Boy, came to be known. And, and that, that story, that song of The Little Drummer Boy has, has kind of a captivating effect on all of us as we hear about it. Pa-rum-pum-pum-pum. Had no gifts to bring. But we bring to the Lord just the best that we have. It doesn't have to be great things. Here's the scripture that goes with this one. This is Jesus speaking. There were the Pharisees and the influential people in Jerusalem, and they were proudly bringing their tithes and their offerings and their gifts to present at the temple. But there was a poor widow that Jesus noticed. And he said of her, This poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty and put in all that she had to live on. Don't ever compare yourself with others. Don't compare yourself with someone else because everyone else is already taken. We only have to be true to who God has created us to be. And the only really sacrifice that God requires is the sacrifice of a sincere heart. When we all stand before the Lord in heaven, there is a judgment day coming. And we're all saved by grace. The good news is, if we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, you made the cut. You're in by the grace of God. That said... We are going to receive rewards for how well we did with what, who God created us to be and what he asked of us. And it's not a trophy case of the people that have made the most money or been the most talented or gifted, but it's who has been as true to who the Lord called them to be in their life. Now this widow, with just who gave out of her poverty. She was the one that God was going to reward. You're not being compared with anybody else. Just to be who God created you to be. And he made you just the way you are on purpose. I heard somebody say one time, God must really love ordinary people because he sure made a lot of them. Okay? And he loves the weak and the lowly and the ones who don't feel like they have as much to offer as others. You come just the way you are. And watch what God can do with you when you have that faith in your own life. There is the divine master's plan. We're going to go to the movies for just a minute now. And I'm going to take you back to something that really happened in World War I. It's known as the Christmas Eve Truce of 1914. And so we'll hit the lights. It's only three minutes long. But we'll watch the story rather than you listening to me tell it. Jenkins, 
Nein! These are all in the trenches, by the way. This was trench warfare. and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. This really happened. It was the Germans and the Allied forces on that Christmas Eve where on one trench on one side they began singing a Christmas carol and the other one was singing it back. And they forgot about the violence and the warfare and in the common faith that they had in Christ. They had 24 hours of merriment of exchanging food and treats and playing soccer. They weren't assemblies of God because they were, chain, they were exchanging cigarettes too. But, and, and, and that's the spirit of Christmas that we catch a glimpse of. 
And, you know, I don't know what it might be in your family. There might be broken family relationships. I don't know. There might be unsaved family members. Um, I don't know what the stress points are in your life. <clears throat> but in Christ, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. This was written by a man who was a pastor of a church in Philadelphia. And in 1865, he took a trip to the Holy Land and went to Bethlehem where Jesus was born. And it so touched him in his heart and soul when he was at the Church of the Nativity where it is said that Jesus was born. Cherie and I have visited that same place. They went back to his church in Philadelphia and he wrote this song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And here's the verse of scripture that goes with this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And that's really what we celebrate right now. It's, there really is no holiday quite like Christmas, is there? <clears throat> Even the pagans in their own way are shouting the glories of the king that has come. They might hide it behind Rudolph and all the other merriment that goes on. But somehow you can never erase whose birthday it really was. And who receives the birthday gifts because of the gift of Christ? It's a happy birthday for us. And the last one this morning, I'm taking this from an old song I, we used to sing. I know Sharia will remember this. Anybody remember, it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Anybody remember that old gospel song? And as I was thinking about this, I just kept thinking about the song, Joy to the World. Christmas, and when we, when we look to Christ in Christmas, He brings a joy into our heart that just transcends all the difficulties and the complexity and the brokenness and the, and the, and, and the conflict that's even within our own culture. Joy to the world, the Lord has come let earth receive her king. Now, the interesting thing about this is Isaac Watts wrote this song. But Isaac Watts did not write it to be a Christmas song. He wrote it to be a song of the second advent of Christ, the second coming of Christ. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart Prepare him room, let heaven and nature sing. And as you look at the verses of Joy to the World, you'll see that just at face value, it's more about the second coming of Christ than the first coming. But there's a sense in which we can experience the second coming of Christ right here and now. You see, Jesus said to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go away because you will do greater things because I go than if I stayed. And in the first part of the first chapter of the book of Acts, Jesus ascends into heaven. But in a sense, he comes again on the day of Pentecost because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus that is not bound by time and space and place and that sort of thing. We're still awaiting the full bodily return of Christ. But there is a sense in which there's joy unspeakable right now because the Lord has come into your heart, in your life, in my life, in our life. 
And we're in a battle for the soul of our own culture right now. And I'm telling you, every time this happens, God wins. Now, it doesn't mean there might be pain and suffering and downtimes in between, but God wins. Because our hope is not built on a lie or a figment of the imagination, but it is grounded in truth. And that famous Russian dissident, who was a very devout Christian, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, some of you might have heard of his name, but he had a very uh, famous quote that he made when he was talking about and predicting, before it happened, the collapse of the uh, communist Soviet empire. He said, live not by lies, because lies always crash and burn. But the truth always prevails. And I'm looking forward to the rapture of the church. I hope the rapture happens before we can chew on those donuts over there. Okay? But it doesn't matter whether it's now or later because Christ comes into our heart, into our life, in our world. And I will tell you, and I'm just winding up with this, I and on the one hand, depending upon which headlines I'm reading, I get very discouraged about what's happening in our world. But I'm telling you, you sense it and I do, a pushback has begun. It's happening. And we need to be strong and bold and joyful and Christ-centered because what the world has to offer is just poverty-stricken compared to the richness of what God brings into your life, into your community, into your church, and into our world. Just as the coming of Christ the first time transformed the world, and I know we're far from perfect, it can happen again. And so this Christmas, just remember that this is a happy birthday for you, because Christ came. Can we stand together? I don't know where, where you are in your own situation in life right now. But maybe you just need to be reminded in your soul of the difference that Christ can make in your own life. And there's a particular trial. I know Diana's going through something right now, but I'm not singling you out, Diana. I'm speaking to all of us that are here. And you would just like to rediscover that Christ of Christmas in that black hole in your life right now. That place where the doubt or the fears or the stress is kind of outweighing it. And... Um, maybe we're all in great... You should be after that great service you had last night. But maybe you just feel the Holy Spirit speaking into your life now about an area where you just need to rededicate that to the Lord and let Christ bring a happy birthday to you this Christmas in that area of turmoil. Is there anybody like that and you'd like to be remembered in prayer as we close in just a moment? Just slip your hand up and I just, I'm not going to single you out. I see a lot of hands going up. Lord, we come before you right now in Jesus' name. And we thank you for the difference you have already made in the lives of maybe all of us in this room. But we're frail, broken human beings and we stumble and we fall again. But right now in this moment, as we're thinking of the 
fresh manifestation of Christ that we need in our life. We pray that you would make that very real. You see each heart. You saw each hand. And Lord, right at the point of that area of need, I just pray that the Christ of Christmas would be born anew in our hearts and in our minds. As we gather with friends and family, as we visit with one another, we pray that our gratefulness to you and our loyalty to you would be demonstrated. Just bless us in all that we do and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And may the Christ of Christmas spring to life in your heart. And may this be the merriest and joyful, most joyful Christmas you've ever had. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Amen. Amen.